Welcome into tonight's episode. And Jeff, we've got interviews and kind of a, a mixed bag here tonight. Uh, you let me take some liberty and the Braves start uh, their playoffs on Thursday night. So we kind of went Braves heavy. So I appreciate you letting me uh, do that. And then we also, of course, talk football. Can't be in October and not talk football. And then we talk Pelicans basketball tonight as they had media day. So we've got some awesome interviews uh, lined up for our listeners. And once again, I say this each and every week. If I don't, I should kick myself. But thank you all uh, for being out there and listening to this podcast. But, Jeff, give our listeners a rundown of who we've got tonight. Well, first up on the slate uh, for interviews, we're going to have uh, Pro River Central Blue Devils head coach Jacob Owen on. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about his season. But a big win, and I say a big win because it was a district win. First district game of the season was last week. Uh, they win that ball game, go 1-0 in the district. You'll hear the enthusiasm in Jacob's voice talking about his program and then some things that uh, he wants his team to do as they look forward to that tough 5A schedule. Yep, and then after him we have Trevor Ritchie as a former uh, Golden Eagle journalist uh, student. Uh, it was nice to have him on tonight. He recently graduated from Southern Miss, and now he's covering the Pelicans and, of course, was at Media Day yesterday. Yep, and a lot of hype going on in New Orleans too. So you'll hear it from him, uh, some things happening down in New Orleans with the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that kind of flies under the radar because it's not a big market team, but they've got big things going, going on in New Orleans. Next after Trevor is Brandon Parker, uh, played at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, drafted by the Braves, and, and like you said, Braves heavy. These last two interviews with Trevor and then the last guest that you mentioned or are going to mention, uh, Braves heavy. But a uh, nice little interview with Brandon talking about his road and his journey from high school on into the JUCO level and then what it felt like to get drafted by the Braves. And then Ben Ingram batting cleanup uh, for tonight's podcast. A radio voice for the largest radio network in Major League Baseball, and that's the Braves uh, Radio Network. Ben Ingram, a Mississippi guy, and uh, if you haven't heard him call a ball game, he calls a fine one. And so a vo radio voice there for the Braves. We, get, uh, we had him on uh, prior to as a, a preview interview way back when, and now the Braves going into the playoffs on Thursday night. He gives a very cool perspective as he's around that club each and every day. And so we hope you enjoy these interviews tonight. Uh, we have to bring up Popperville football because that's what we do each and every Friday night. And so if you're listening and in, interested in following Popperville football, Jeff, our crew, along with uh, Jason Baker, follow them each and every Friday night, although they were off last Friday night. Tell our listeners how they can find those Popperville broadcasts. Well, Popperville Hornets will be on the road this Friday at Forest County uh, AHS right there in Brooklyn. Uh, Mississippi for their first district game and uh, on your smartphone whether you have a uh, Samsung or with an Android or you have an iPhone with the uh, the Apple uh, the iOS uh, version of the App Store go and it's an easy it's an easy thing to do go into your uh, your Apple or your uh, app menu search talking ball y'all and I mean search MixLR and it's a free app you download it and then on the MixLR app, search Talking Ball Y'all, all lowercase, all one word, and it'll take you straight to the page. You'll see a little picture of a hornet. It'll pick up right with the broadcast. There's no purchase. You don't have to do anything but download the free MixLR app, M-I-X-L-R. You can also go on our website, TalkingBall.net, and there's a, a, a little hornet logo there. Click that to listen to live radio. Or you could also go to the school's website, uh, right there at the Popperville School District website. Click on that Hornet link, and it'll take you straight to the MixLR app. So there's uh, several different ways you can follow uh, the Popperville Hornets each and every Friday night. Yep, and uh, we hope you enjoy uh, this episode as much as we did recording it. Thank you. If you're looking to insure a new house, car, or motorcycle, give Advantage Insurance Company a call at 601-749-8790 or go by and see Shauna Oder or any one of her friendly agents and let them go to work for you. Advantage Insurance is located at 4201 Highway 11 North in Picayune. Whether you've hit a home run or a foul ball, for all your real estate law and closing needs, call Cruise Law at 1-769-242-2500. 
That number again is 1-769-242-2500. Call Bill Cruz at Cruz Law. Got Coach Owen joining a podcast tonight, 1-0 in district play. And, Coach, we appreciate you taking precious time on game week for us tonight. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Thank you. You know, and, Jacob, as, as Clay just mentioned, 1-0 in the district, overall 2-3. and three. But you just uh, – talking with you before we come on the air, you the, the enthusiasm in your voice about 1-0 and when Clay asked you how you were doing – how, how did you uh, uh, approach that team after that victory and, and go in there with the post-game locker room speech that every coach is known to do, but to end that game and talk about that speech, 1-0 in the district? Well, you know, kind of like a madman. Uh, <laughs> I kind of uh, I blacked out a little bit, you know, the way the, the game ended. and You know, man, people just don't have – they don't have a clue how hard it is you know, to, to, to win one game, you know, just every single game is a fight, you know, and you, and you restart every single week and you, and you got to go out there and you got to get a lot out of your kids. And, um, you know, in the fashion that we won, you know, coming back, scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter, you know, that's, that's program changing. Um, you know, our kids will never be down and out again. You know, that mentality's changed. Um, you know, there's still a lot of things that we that we have to work on and have to improve on before we reach a you know a championship level. But um, you know, we we we've crossed that bridge. Um, our guys are uh, are fighters. They proved that Friday night. We had so many guys, just a great team effort. So many guys step out, step up, in, in big spots. Um, whenever uh, you know their number was called, you know guys that that come to work every day and, and probably got off the bus not even thinking that they would play. It um, made, made, made some huge pivotal plays in that game. Jacob, follow you close enough uh, as a friend <laughs> and as a, a coach, certainly, as our years together in Popperville and then now in your second year there with Pro River Central. Something I've known you to do is kind of create like a mantra or a saying going in uh, to a year. And over and over when I'd see you uh, quoted coming into this year, you kept saying, look, we need to create a belief that we can win, you know, a belief that we can win a game where maybe people think that uh, we can't or the circumstances may be um, look bleak and then you overcome it. Was that that kind of win this past Friday night? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, I believe it was. You know, there's there's a lot of times there's a lot of times that, you know, you go into a, um, a game and it's, it's not real hard to get the kids to believe. Um, and there, there's some opponents that you face when you look at that film and you're like, woo, wee, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, and unfortunately, we got a lot of those. You know, every single team that we play in our district, we're going to look at and go, woo, wee. You know, we got we play some, some very good football teams. Um, but you got to get over that, man. It's not about looks. It's not about, you know, how big you are. It's about, you know, what you're willing to give, uh, play in and play out on a down-by-down basis. Um, and what kind of heart you have, and uh, that's the mentality that we're that we're trying to build here. Um, and winning that game Friday night was a, a great step in that direction. Coach, you love the wing T offense, and and you're uh, the way that you coach it, uh, expert with the wing T. The quarterback kind of gets lost sometimes in that old wing T offense, but. Uh, talk about what Brunson was able to do for y'all uh, throughout the ball game, but certainly late in that one this past Friday night. Well, you know, I said that last touchdown pass he threw, I said it after the game, I, I stand by it. He, he's never thrown a, a, a better ball um, in, in a Blue Devil uniform. He put that thing on the money. Uh, but Cameron's a guy that, um, you know, he, they say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, that wasn't a lucky throw. That was a kid that prepares uh, every single day um, to make that throw. And uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, up until Friday night, he had not. Um, but Friday night, he did. Uh, and without that, you know, we, we're not standing here talking about being 1-0 and in the district. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they say the signal caller gets overlooked. He don't get overlooked if he lose. Hmm. You know, That's everybody, true. you know, we – we talk about that all the time. Um, you know, the quarterback position gets away. It's kind of like the head coach. 
you get way more way more credit than you should when you win, and you get way more credit than you should probably when when you lose. Mm. Um, and uh, but man, I was I was super happy for him. You know, he uh, he made, he made a big throw right there. Once again, we're joined by Jacob Owen, the head coach of the Pearl River Central Blue Devils uh, on the Pit Lane Oil Change Hotline. And, Coach, Clay just mentioned Brunson in the quarterback role, but talk about some of your backs, Dietrich Spikes, Ty Herring, uh, Ronald Murray, not a big kid, but uh, you got three young men I mentioned. Well, you got Wilcox, too. That's four if you want to uh, make it a, a, a quadruple right there with four. But your backs has been toting the mail for you uh, this season. They have, man, and they, you know, in that wing T system, that you've got to work together, you know, and you've got to understand that you might go into a ball game, you know, thinking that you're going to get a lot of carries, but when you get into that game, you might be getting a completely different defense, and you know, that that leans on somebody else, and you got to be willing to block for each other, you got to be willing to carry out fakes for each other. It's, it's the ultimate team offense, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, it's uh, it's an offense that that plays to that, that team concept and, 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 and being selfless and, and giving it all for your brothers. Um, our guys are, our, 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 all of our backs are starting two back, three back and four back are all pretty undersized. Um, but they've worked really, really hard. They're a lot stronger and faster than they were last year. Ronald's a guy that, uh, I mean, man, he weighed 137 pounds the other day after he ate Dev's butt pizza buffet. (laughs) Oh man. But, he he gives you every single ounce of, of energy that he's got when he runs the ball and when he blocks. He's another guy. He's not extremely big, um, and and he has gotten better every single day. Uh, he got hurt Friday night in the first quarter, and we had to put his backup in. You know, Roddy Powell, a kid that came in and and made a big play there at the end of the game. Uh, he's a uh, he's a junior. He's a kid that. Uh, I've never made a junior a team captain, but I did Monday. Mm. Uh, I made him a team captain from now until the time he graduates because, to me, he embodies um, everything a Blue Devil should be, wow. you know, what we want. Um, Ty Herring, I mean, just the gutsiest, the gutsiest fellow you'll ever, you'll ever want to meet. Uh, he just runs so hard. Even when he's tackled, his feet are still moving. Um, and uh, – He's got a brutal little spin move right through the hole, too, Coach, or at least he did against Popperville that night. We got to see him up close. Yeah, he don't like – you know, he, he had trouble holding on to the ball uh, early in the season, and you fumble the ball for one or two reasons. Either you're careless or you care too much to go down, you know, and um, and yeah, that was Ty's problem. He just – he wants to gain every single inch that he can, and uh, sometimes uh, – he 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 lose the ball there, but he's got that under control now. Um, Kevin Wilcox is a guy that you know, he's a team captain, senior captain. Um, he uh, he comes in for us uh, some at wingback as well. Um, he's a nice little change up. Uh, as much as we run the ball and as small as we are, um, you know we we got to watch our guys and the licks they take. You know we don't want to take too much of a beating and um, get too banged up, um, but. Uh, we just got a bunch of guys there. Coach Stones does a fantastic job with them, and uh, they're always coached up, and they know what to do, and they play really, really hard. I love them. Coach, when you look uh, in this little ball game here, you don't get much time, do you, to celebrate a, a win, and you got to turn right back around and pick your head up and go uh, to work on the next group, and that next group's Wayne County. What do you know about them, Coach, and what do they look like on on the old huddle machine? Well, they're um, they would they look like you would expect Wayne County to look. You know, they're they're big and they're fast and um, you know, they're very athletic. Um, their quarterback's really good. They're very well coached. Uh, Coach Gamby does a fantastic job with them. Um, it's they'll be a tremendous challenge for us Friday night. Um, but you know, that's going to be every Friday night. You know, it's no different. Um, we're not preparing for them any any different than we do anybody else you know we're trying to gain every advantage we can and our full our full expectation is to to go into wayne county and and win another district football game jacob if we're talking to you man in a month from now and uh y'all have qualified as a playoff team and uh gotten to where y'all want to be it's because of what man like what have y'all done uh between now and then to improve or uh, just keep doing 
as a coach, when you're sitting there looking at it, what do y'all need to do to be a playoff team? If we're there, it's because of hard work, um, the hard way, you know, not mm-hmm. taking shortcuts and anything that we do. I mean, we it's it's seven o'clock p.m. and we just got out of the field house. Hmm. Uh, I don't know many high school football teams can say that tonight, you know. And I don't know they they tell me that they call me Captain in Plano. Um, <laughs> coach, you're you're insane. You know, no, I just you know, I feel like I, I want to win mm-hmm. you know, more than anybody else. And um, I think our guys feel the same way. Well, Coach, we know, like you said, y'all have uh, burned almost a midnight oil when you get into what you're looking at just getting out of there and still there. We appreciate your time, Coach. Uh, we appreciate your friendship and what you've uh, meant to us as broadcasters, uh, not in this podcast role, but in our Popperville days together. And uh, certainly we'll always cherish those memories. So, uh, thank you, Coach Owen, and, and we pull for you most all Friday nights uh, when that green and, and gold's across the way. I can't make any promises there, but we're a, a big fan of yours anyway. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Clay. Thank you for everything you do, making high school football important. And uh, As always, I love talking ball with y'all. <laughs> thank you, Coach. All right, later, brother. Later, my man. Hey folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know. Joining us tonight is Trevor Ritchie. He is a recent Southern Miss grad, and he has moved to New Orleans to cover the Pelicans. That all sounds pretty fun to me. So we'll get uh, Trevor's thoughts. As Trevor, you were at uh, Media Day. What was the feel or the vibe um, from the Pelicans after Media Day yesterday? Completely different than, than anything I've experienced in a setting like that since being around the Pelicans, and that hasn't been all too long considering, but still – um, it, it seems like there's a tone that Josh Hart said that it starts at the top. Not really something that you've heard a lot of players know as much as they have this season going into a year. Um, with Benson, with Griffin, when you hear him talk, everyone around the organization says he's the type of guy that makes you want to run through a wall for him. From Alvin Gentry down, everyone was excited. Zion, smile on his face. If you look at the media day pictures from Drew Holiday with the Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, that group, hmm. then the AD Boogie group, then this group. This is the only group he has a smile on his face. That's really good to see this for the first time in a really long time, and that's really everybody with this Pelicans group right now. Yeah, and I, and I see people have kind of compared, or not compared, but have tried to link maybe Zion and Drew Brees, but – the comparison that comes more to me as a Saints player is Cam Jordan, a guy that was uh, drafted there, and then you see Jordan and the way he has really embraced the New Orleans and the New Orleans embracing back. That's kind of more of what the Zion feel, uh, the connection uh, to the city that he's already beginning to make. I think along with that as well, one of the biggest questions around the organization along with Zion's ability to, to spread that love and, and have that acceptance back is also their ability to take some of that pressure off while he's able to do that, while he's able to build some of that in the community, with the team, with the organization, and just get comfortable. They they understand the hype that's around him, the, probably the most hype prospect, no doubt, since LeBron. So they're trying to manage that a little bit by putting some of the load onto other places like Drew Holiday, and, and Drew's completely fine with that. I would say also that, you know, that's not going to be easy throughout the course of the season to manage that. All the eyes are going to be on him, but still, um, there, there's no doubting that, that the city has embraced him. You see it in the, the banner that just went up um, and a lot of different areas, including endorsements. So it, I think that's only going to continue to grow. Once again, we're joined by Trevor Ritchie, uh, Pelicans reporter uh, down in New Orleans on the Pit Lane Oil Change Hotline. And Trevor, the hype has been around Zion, of course. The the Pelicans were were fortunate enough to get that number one pick in the in the in the lottery uh, draft, and and then of course go after Zion. But what about the guys that they traded for and got in as Lonzo Ball and Ingram and some players that can look at New Orleans 
as a fresh start coming all from the Lakers. Uh, Lakers had a down year with LeBron's first year there. But the young players coming in to be a, a supporting cast, so to speak, with Zion, what kind of a fresh start do you expect them transitions to make? Right, and and first of all, just in terms of the trade and everything that they were able to get back for Anthony Davis, um, it, it was incredible. Not only the rookies, but also, as you mentioned, the players that come over from the Lakers. Um, start with Lonzo Ball. There, there's no more of a fresh start that can be had than what he has the opportunity to get in New Orleans, um, whether it be the family, the basketball aspect, the shot. His whole attitude is focused on basketball. He seems to have um, a, a focus on separating the the outside stuff and, and everything that he's been tied to that's really just equated to noise so far um, and, and tried to center focus on basketball. And today some of the video comes out and it looks like his shot um, is being tweaked a little bit. The form looks a little smoother, um, more able to repeat, uh, be repetitive. So we'll see how that goes throughout the course of the season. But it's, in terms of a fresh start, he seems to have a different um, be around faces where he knows that that is kind of his career now. He's not tied down to the Los Angeles, the hype, being at home. and kind of gets to get away from, from being under other people's wings as he's been the first couple of years of his career. And with Brandon Ingram, um, with him it's just helped for the first time in around five months. He's able to play basketball and dribble around. And he has a different uh, love for the game now. I mean, he had one quote where he said that, you know, at seven or eight years old, you couldn't have told him that he would have this type of money um, and be able to get this far, and he's on the verge of uh, earning a contract extension, whether that's with the Pelicans or not, he'll have to approve that. Um, but but that type of thing isn't on his mind. I think he's just thankful not only for the fresh start, but for the ability to play basketball again. Um, and Josh Hart, if you follow him at all mm. on social media, I think his connection to the culture um, and what he's been able to do in the city so far has been evident. Yeah, it is, and and you mentioned it uh, since day one, since signing. He really on social media has taken uh, a, a love to the city and and publicized that. That's really cool. And he's just following his career. That's the type of player he is. One of those type of glue type guys. It's going to be interesting to see him more as a, a veteran, and then the leadership that JJ Reddick's going to bring to this roster. Oh, absolutely. He really that it's the list doesn't end with those Lakers guys. When you look down the roster, it's people that get um, a, a different type of fresh start. I, I think JJ's one of those guys. He he actually wanted um, to return to the 76ers, and that was um, no secret. But the way that their offseason played out and, and their money, um, there wasn't enough in in the pie to hand to JJ to keep him on that roster. So he saw what was going on down in New Orleans, especially the the Duke contingency that they have mm-hmm. down there now, and he, he, he wanted to be a part of that. Um, that gives him a different type of uh, role with him. And you've seen some of the funny sound bites, the 13th yeah. 13th streak. He, he's made the playoffs every season, um, and he plans to keep that streak alive. Um, but he's, he's going to be asked to be a more vocal leader um, than he's been in previous places in his career where maybe you had um, Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons running the show are back to the Clippers, where obviously Chris Paul would have been more of the vocal leader. He and Drew Holiday is the type of guy that leads by example and so and more soft spoken. So there's going to be other guys like JJ Redick that are expected to to step up and be more vocal than they have maybe past in their career. Yeah, we keep it family friendly here, but Redick certainly different. Didn't in his press conference with his quote to Zion not to mess up that 13 for 13. Uh, streak and uh, Trevor one of the things I'm excited about and I think Jeff would echo this is just how good a player Holiday is and that maybe some of this attention coming with Zion and this new roster some of that attention will bleed over and some uh, basketball eyes will turn to exactly uh, the player that Holiday is this season. I think he's gotten that more so than ever in his career coming up to this. I think this will just be a little bit more of a catalyst for that because he's definitely earned some credit and it's still trending in that direction. But in terms of guys around the league, 
that are able to do what they do on a night-to-night basis, on the court, off the court, set an example around the facility, or when you speak to the media, every time somebody sees you. There's not many people around the NBA that are better than that than Drew Holiday. Um, I think that's going to speak for itself. There might be some things that are going to change throughout the season, but he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to let noise, hide, dying on attention. I, I just see him kind of staying grounded in who he is. There might be points um, throughout the season where hopefully if he's playing well enough, he's in those those discussions that you would want to be in that bring that type of attention. But in terms of what he's going to be around the Pelicans, I would expect a lot of the same from Drew Holiday of what you've been seeing from him. Yep, and we're excited as a podcast to see where the Pelicans are going, and we look forward uh, to visiting with you again, Trevor, as the season rolls along. If you would, tell our listeners as they're getting uh, into this preseason and, and workouts how they can begin to follow your work and where they can see your work, and then, of course, we look forward to having you on as the Pe- Pelicans begin to roll. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You guys can follow me on Twitter at RichieTMR, R-I-C-C-H-I-E-T-M-R. Still do some stuff covering Southern Miss with rivals. Pelicans coverage on thebirdrights.com, and I do high school football coverage in the New Orleans area for the times Picayune and the New Orleans Advocate. So if you want to follow and keep up with all of that stuff, go ahead and go on to Twitter and give me a follow. Thank you, Trevor. We appreciate it, man, and we'll be checking back with you shortly to get uh, some more Pelicans basketball talk in. Absolutely, and Saturday there's a free practice. If anybody's able to still get online and claim some tickets, come on down and say hello. Nice. Thank you, Trev. Absolutely. Y'all have a good one. You too, bud. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we are reshaping the mammography experience. We are the only facility in the region offering a 3D mammogram with the lowest patient dose of radiation, all with increased comfort and confidence. Our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. Joining us tonight is Brandon Parker, the 10th round selection of the Atlanta Braves, and he's a Coast native. So, uh, Brandon is special on two fronts, man, a local guy, and then you're going to play for my Bravo. So, thanks for joining Jeff and I on the podcast tonight. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. Brandon, how special um, to be drafted at any point, but uh, 10th round there and to go to the Atlanta Braves in this past draft, how special was that for you and your family? Oh, man, it's a, it's a dream come true. I, I grew up a Braves fan, and uh, I always went to the game there in Jackson and watched them. And, and, man, I was a huge fan of Chipper Jones when he was there, and I grew up idolizing him and trying to be, be like him on the baseball field. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome you know, to be drafted by the Braves. I mean, when you, when you think about baseball, the Braves, you know, you know it's kind of like that's, that's America's team, you know. So I, I was pretty pumped about about that and the opportunity to play for them. And, man, it's a dream come true. And since that date, Brandon, kind of give our listeners a look into how that works. When you make the decision, yes, I'm going to go uh, to the Braves for go uh, your college offer, I believe, with Dallas Baptist. Then kind of yes, take sir. us through, like, what are the next steps after that, Brandon? Um, well, the next step, they had me fly out to Atlanta, and they had me watch a baseball game, and we sat in the suites. They invited the whole family, so the whole family got to go up there, and uh, I think they did that with the first through tenth round. And all the guys got to go up there, and we all got to watch the game, and they took us in one of the indoor suites, and I got to sign my official contract with the Braves, and they, they treated us like top class, you know. It was awesome. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, that had to be a yeah, kind sir. of pinch-yourself type type deal there, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's awesome because my little brother, I mean, he's in the baseball. Uh, other little brother, he's at Dallas Baptist right now, so that was pretty cool for him to see, you know, what would happen if he, you know, followed in the shoe steps, you know. Yeah, very cool, man. So, Brandon, tell us, if you would, kind of your high school and then junior college journey uh, to get to this point, to get on the Braves' radar and kind of make this dream come true so far. Let, let's kind of look at your journey. How did we get here, Brandon? Oh, man, it's, uh, I want to say the stereotypical hard work and dedication, but it is hard work and dedication, man. It's every day after school. I mean, you're staying for an hour and a half, two hours after 
practice, you know, putting in the extra work and time. And when people say, you know, you have to put in the extra work and do it while nobody's looking, you really have to do that to make it to where you want to be in life, you know. And in high school, I, I was blessed to have a bunch of teammates that were my brothers, you know, and uh, my coaches, they were great. They always pushed me when, you know, things got tough and maybe I fell into a spot. They, they seen my, you know, how good I can be and they always pushed me to be the best and it just flowed out on them because, you know, I wasn't really a top prospect through high school. So uh, I went to JUCO and I wanted to, you know, pursue my baseball career, you know. So, I really buckled down in Juco. I was like, man, if I want to make this my profession, then I need to do something different. And that's when I had my breakout year, my freshman year at Juco, and it just flowed on from there. I mean, yeah, when you look at what um, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College and Coach Bats meant to you in your two-year career there, Brandon, how – how special were your two years there and what you were able to accomplish on the diamond? Oh, my gosh. I, I wouldn't trade that two years for anything in my life, man. I've met a bunch of brothers that, you know, I can call them to this day and I have a full conversation with them and I could call them anytime I want to if I ever need anything, you know, and uh, all the coaches are the same way. They're the greatest coaches I've ever had and uh, Coach Bat, he really, uh, he really believed in me when nobody else did. Uh Man, I, I can't say enough about him. He's an awesome coach, awesome guy, and uh, he moved on to Delta State, and I'm mm-hmm. very happy for him. You know, he got a great job up there, and the rest of the coaches they're doing their thing, and it's awesome. You know? I look forward to going back there and I'll see him work through and all that kind of stuff. You know? Brandon Parker but, finished his Gulf Coast career with a career average of 394, 38 home runs, and 129. Uh, runs uh there for mississippi gulf coast and uh brandon as you've advanced now and starting to work out with the braves we're pearl river people over here this is based out of uh picune and so we follow uh the pearl river wildcats pretty closely but i want to talk to uh, that competition in that league and and how it's prepared you for what you're seeing now um just the grind man uh Minor league is it's, it's definitely a grind, and the Ju- JUCO baseball route is the same way, man. You wake up, you you put the work in, and you're at you're at baseball in this minor league. You wake up around nine o'clock, you get to the field around ten, and you don't leave till about ten thirty that night. And you're just playing baseball all day, and this you know when you think of JUCO baseball, you know that's the blue collar baseball, and when you make it out of Juco baseball, you're a new man in life and you're a new man, especially on the field. I mean, it's, I don't think that, I think that Juco baseball should definitely be, you know, uh, a route that everyone takes. Just, you know, get that under your belt. I mean, it, it helps. So, I'm, I'm blessed I chose that route, you know. Yeah, and Brandon, what it did uh, for a guy like you gave you a chance to showcase your skills and then make a decision a year earlier, right? I mean, you, you go the four-year route, you don't get to make this decision that you got to make uh, this past summer. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I wouldn't have had a problem with it because I've been to Dallas basketball my brother playing with him for two more years. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely blessed to have that opportunity, and I'm very glad I took it. And, yeah, Juco was – I mean, I, I can't say enough about it. it like I said, I think that should be a necessary route that everyone takes, you know, just to get that get that under the belt and to, I mean, to make them a better athlete and person at the end of the day, you know. Brandon, you mentioned uh, watching Chipper uh, coming up. Is there a Braves guy now that uh, kind of has your eye that you follow uh, closely or a major league player uh, with any club that you kind of watch and, and maybe mimic some of the things that they do? Yeah, uh, Austin Riley, he's from Andover, Mississippi, and uh, I mean that's pretty cool. Yeah. From a guy being from Mississippi, you know, and being up in the the big leagues, and he's just a genuine guy from what I've seen, and I try to you know every day represent myself like that. He's just well known, well known around the, uh, the organization as a good, well-rounded guy. So that's what I try to be every day and work on that. Hopefully, being issues one day, you know. Absolutely, Brandon. Man, we certainly appreciate. Uh, your time tonight for the podcast, and man, we 
wish you uh, continued success and uh, keep chasing those dreams, brother. It's good to hear from you tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Thank you, Brandon. Whether you're hungry for seafood, po'boys, or salads, go see Kelly's Po'boys located in Picayune and proudly serving Pearl River County for nearly 20 years. It's a little bit of New Orleans right here in Picayune. We're fortunate enough tonight to be joined by one of the radio voices for the Braves Radio Network, a Mississippi guy, and Ben Ingram. Ben, thank you for taking time for the podcast tonight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, fellas. Ben, when, let's look forward to the playoffs in, in just a little bit. But first, uh, let's give the regular season its due. And what an exciting regular season for the Braves. 97 wins and go back-to-back um, East titles there in the National League East. How fun was it to cover this team each and every day? It's going to be a tough season to top. I know that much. I hope I'm around doing this a very long time. And even if that's the case, I think it'd still be really difficult to top. There are so many accomplishments by the team, and that's great because that's the bottom line. You want to win baseball games, and 97 wins is definitely something to be proud of. But they gave us so many great moments. I mean, there's so many just memorable moments, all the walk-offs and uh, incredible plays by Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman doing memorable things and Josh Donaldson with the season that he had. Uh, Great stuff out of the rotation as well. We saw some really special performances by really young guys. And seeing all that together just takes it up a notch. So I obviously love the, the outcome, love the, the 97 wins, the division championship. But the thing that I'll remember from this season more than anything will be those individual moments when the, the place was just jumping, the team's coming from behind, and uh, having walk-off victory after walk-off victory. Just an incredible season. Yeah, and as a radio guy, I'm sure you pull uh, for storylines and drama, and you had plenty of that as you've described the, the way that this team scored runs, seven through nine innings, um, especially the first half, uh, really kind of hanging around and waiting for some help in the bullpen was, a, was special to watch. It was. I think my two favorite moments of the season, or at least two favorite stretches of the season, would be June and then the end of August turning into September. That team in June was unbelievable. To me, that was their very peak, at least offensively. I, I, we, we were really spoiled. We saw so many great players top to bottom in the lineup, so many great offensive efforts. And you're seeing guys who are hitting seventh and eighth in June who had 15 home runs. I mean, that's where Ozzie Albies was, uh, batting eighth at one point. Uh, we saw these guys top to bottom show depth like we've not seen, in my opinion, since the 2003 ball club. But they had so much power. Austin Riley was having the best hmm. stretch of his season back in May and June. And to me, June was the best month of the year. Then they cranked it back up, hit another level late August into September. And I think what really kicked it off was taking two out of three from the Dodgers. And and while they weren't as strong offensively as they were back in June, they were still getting it done with guys who were being caught upon that you didn't expect to be caught upon. We saw uh, Adani Echevarria mm-hmm. grab that he had some big at bats. We saw Rafael Ortega come along, had that huge grand slam against the Dodgers in the final game of that series. You can say the same thing for uh, Billy Hamilton and what he brought to the table. They were able to find some pieces, and, and even when they were down with Marquez injured and with Riley at AAA and with Swanson injured, they had other guys who stepped up and played large roles, and that's a really big moment as well. Uh, so those two stretches to me define the difference in where this team is and maybe where the Nationals are or the Brewers are. To me, those are the stretches that lift them to a division winner. This division got significantly better this year. Four teams in this division were better than they were last season in terms of win total. The Nationals were 11 wins better than they were in 2018, and the Braves still won the division. So to me, that that shows how talented this team is. We knew this division would be tougher, and they go out and they went seven more games this year than they won all all of last year with a much more challenging division. So to me, that is the, the real proving point. If you're looking for a, a, an argument for why this team is better than uh, or should do better than, than uh, expectations, let's say in the postseason, I have I, to me they they have what it takes to get to the World Series, and we weren't saying that this time last year. So we'll see what happens with the Cardinals. That's a very tough team. They're all tough teams by the time we get to October, but I think this team is certainly dangerous and has the potential to do some really special things. One thing when you look at the difference between this year and last year, Ben. Was there any better money spent than adding Donaldson uh, to this already potent lineup? 
that's definitely one of the big moves. Uh, this guy came through and exceeded expectations, and, and and I had high expectations for Donaldson. I think I had higher expectations than most people did, and he even exceeded those. If you go back to May, I think that back. Go back to June the tenth. I think it was June the tenth. He had eight home runs on the season, and he had underachieved at that point. He really had not gotten things going. And if you recall, the Braves had a, a bench clearing situation against the Pirates at home where Josh Donaldson and uh, Jordan Musgroves of the uh, of the Pirates got into it. Both were ejected from the ball game. For, for some reason, that lit the fuse in Josh. And the very next day, he comes out, he has a big day. And from there on, uh, he finished with, I think, 37 home runs on the season. So he hit 29 home runs from June the 11th through the end of the year. I think he had more home runs than anybody outside of Eugenio Suarez from that stretch through the end of the season. So that got him going. You needed to get him going. Uh, and, and looking back on the $23 million for one year, he was very good offensively. He was better than I thought he would be defensively. And it gave Freddie Freeman the protection he was looking for. Once they moved Josh to the cleanup spot, that really lit the fuse with his ball club offensively. Uh, th- that team was two games under five hundred before – uh, they made that change with the lineup. And on May 10th, they sent Acuna to the top mm-hmm. of the order. They sent Swanson to the two-hole. They sent John, Josh Donaldson from the two-hole to the cleanup slot. And all of a sudden, they took off, and they've not looked back since. So I think Josh had as much to do with that with, as anybody. Once again, we're joined by Ben Ingram, member of the Braves Radio Network, here on the Pit Lane Oil Change Hotline. And, Ben, as you just mentioned, every team as you enter October is dangerous. Just how dangerous are the Cardinals? You know, sometimes it's not so much in the past or in the present, but in the past when you see National League DS or, you know, the Division Series or, or National League Championship, the Cardinals has been right there. How dangerous is this Cardinal team that the Braves will face Thursday night? Well, they're very dangerous. They're a completely different team now than what we saw back in May. And to me, that's one of the more intriguing aspects of this series because these two teams haven't seen each other since May. So we really don't have a good idea as to what the Cardinals are. They don't really have a good idea as to what the Braves are. Because the last time we saw them and the last time they saw the Braves, very different situation. You can tell that there was a lot of talent there, but neither one of those teams really hit their stride yet. The Braves were about to hit their stride, and the Cardinals are still a few months away. Uh, the Cardinals, since the All-Star break, I want to say they lost the first day after the All-Star break and fell to it was either a game over 500 or a game under 500, something like that. And then from there on, they took off. And they did it with pitching. And if you really want to break it down, if you go back to August the 1st, Jack Flaherty's leading the way for them. Uh, this guy's got a sub-1 ERA since August the 1st. He had a, a, a 0-81 ERA for the final two months of the season. Dakota Hudson had a 2.36 ERA in the final two months of the season. Uh, Michaelis and Waka were okay. Uh, but Adam Wainwright really took off. He had seven wins in the final two months of the year with a 371 ERA. They did it with pitching. Look, they've got a lot of experience when it comes to the postseason. Goldschmidt's been there. Obviously, Yachty's been there and had lots of success in the postseason, being the catcher there for so many years. Uh, but it's a team that it, they feel like, and I'd imagine that at any time any Cardinal team would feel this way, they feel like they're supposed to win in the postseason because history is filled with St. Louis Cardinals victories in the postseason. Uh, I think they feel like there's a standard there. Paul Goldschmidt, quietly, somehow you could say this, quietly had 35 home runs this year. Uh, he goes out there and he only hit 260, but he turned in almost 100 RBIs. And while it wasn't the season that they thought that he would have in St. Louis, uh, looking at the final result, he did pretty well. I think that, that Tommy Edmond was a pretty good story for them because Matt Carpenter has not had his best season, not even close. And Tommy Edmond's a young switch hitter that can play all over the place, second, short, third, and, and has had a pretty good season for them. Colton Wong's a really good hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to give right-handed hitters, a, a right-handed pitchers, a difficult time because, uh, to me, he's he is a 300 hitter. To me, I know he only yeah. hit 285 this season, but he's the kind of guy who can lift a team for a series. Uh, very impressed with him. We all know how good uh, Marcelo Zuna is because we saw him for so many years in Miami, and he's done good things there in St. Louis. Uh, you can go on and on. Um, I'm impressed with Bader. I like him a lot. Dexter Fowler, the, the switch hitter veteran who was part of that sub team that won the World Series in 2016. He's got lots of postseason experience as well. So it's a tough bunch. And the best thing for the Braves is they have home field. Uh, you'll get two at your place, and you hope that you can grab both of them before you go to St. Louis because it's not easy to win in St. Louis during the regular season. and It certainly is not easy to win there come October. Ben, you talk about uh, the teams not seeing each other since May, the guy that the Braves are going to throw 
uh, Thursday, was it? I guess he was still preparing, getting ready to uh, sign with somebody a lot later in the year, and that's D Dallas Keuchel. Uh, talk about the staff and the three guys that you look forward to seeing the Braves roll out in these uh, first three ball games. Sure. Well, I, we know that Keiko will get started in game one, as you mentioned. I think we'll see Mike Fulton Evans in game two, and I think Mike Soroka gets the ball in game three. And then we'll see what happens for game four. I believe they lean towards Max Freed, uh, which is interesting because Freed and Flaherty, uh, the ace for the Cardinals, were actually high school teammates together. They were great at high school. Uh, now they're going to get to square off in the division series. But I think they'll start with Keiko, and, and the experience is what gets him there. His last few outings, two of his last three outings, not his best stuff, but he did have a really good stretch from August the 12th up until the middle of September where he was pretty good, uh, as good as we've seen him. The best thing about Dallas Keuchel is his two-seamer because he's always one pitch away from a double play when he gets into trouble. And, and anytime you start talking about Dallas Keuchel and, and his, his arsenal, that's where you start. But to me, the pitch that has done wonders for him this year is his changeup. I think that's a, a reason that he and Tyler Flowers have worked a lot wet, wetter, uh, better with each other here lately because they've really gotten on the same page. That makes me interested to see who's going to get the start behind the plate working with Keiko for Thursday night because Flowers has caught him his last seven starts. But now Dallas and, and McCann have a good rapport because they were teammates with Houston and, of course, teammates here. But that, that, I'm curious to see who the, who the catcher is going to be for Dallas Keiko. His changeup has been good this season. His four-seamer has been used the appropriate way, in my opinion, to where it's really helped set up and enhance his two-seamer as well. So I, I love the fact that he's been there. He's pitched in the postseason. He's pitched in the World Series. He's won a World Series. That goes a long way. Mike bolton is arguably your hottest pitcher right now. And not only is he successful, he's, he's successful at strikeouts. And come the postseason, you need swing and miss stuff. You need punch outs. He's got that ability. And Mike Soroka has been great on the road this year. His home road splits certainly favor him as a better pitcher on the road than at home. So I think that's why they'll lean towards him in game three in St. Louis. Ben, you're around the team each and every day. Kind of give us the scoop, if you will. I hate to end the interview with this question, kind of a downer here, but I need to know, man, about Acuna's hip and Freddie's elbow. What's the scoop on those two guys as we head in? Right. Let's start with Acuna. He was at the ballpark today. He was running the bases. He was doing all sorts of drills, and there was not one single thing that I saw or that was reported um, that, that would say that he was limited to any degree. So that's good news. Mm -hmm. And uh, my producer was actually at the ballpark a lot longer than I was and saw him doing a few more exercises, and he said he, he looks like he's limitless right now. He doesn't look like there's any kind of an issue. So I think he's going to be – look, the Braves need him to be electric. They mm -hmm. really need Ronald Acuna to be really, really special in the postseason. And uh, I think he, so long as he's healthy, uh, that leads me to believe that he's going to be primed and ready for that. So I don't think there are any limitations with him right now. As for Freddie Freeman, it seems like a wait and see because the, the elbow is something that's going to need attention during the offseason. Uh, the thing that you can say about Freddie is he's tough as nails. He, it, it, it's going to take a, a tractor to pull him out of the lineup. For, and, and that could be – uh, for a, a random Tuesday night in, in June. <laughs> well, he proved uh, that down the stretch, didn't he, Ben? <laughs> right. And he's not missing games. And, and I think taking the time down on this last road trip when he didn't make the trip to Kansas City, I think that benefited him, rest benefited him. It seemed to be barking a little bit more when the team was in New York, and he, he did not want to come out of the lineup that last day, though. He could, have, he could have sat the final day of the season this past Sunday, but he wanted two ABs. He got two ABs. And, and he's had more rest now. And we'll see him Thursday night. Uh, to me, Acuna and Freeman are the key elements to your offense. And you can talk about Donaldson and Marquecas and Ozzy, and I think those guys are going to be fine. But this team just hits another level when Acuna is doing what Acuna is expected to do and when Freeman's doing what he's expected to do. I expect that the, uh, the, the table to be set. Ozzy Albies has had such a great season. I'm such a tremendous fan of that young man. And not just his ability, but how he plays the game. He, he's very old school. He wants to work his tail off. And I can't say one bad thing about Ozzy. I think he's going to have a tremendous series. Uh, and I think he'll be on base. And we'll see what happens with those guys around him if they're driving him in. Because this, this top four, is when they're on, they're as good as any top four in baseball. And we'll see what they can do versus the Cardinals. Absolutely. Ben, I'm just going to ask you a radio nerd question to end, uh, end this deal. On a typical day when you've got the call, what, what is your afternoon leading into a 7 o'clock first pitch kind of look like? Yeah, great question. I'm very routine-oriented. You might run into some other broadcasters who are 
slightly different, maybe wing it a little bit more. I, I'm, I'm very structured and very intentional with my day. Uh, and, and just being on the same schedule helps me tremendously. I usually get to the ballpark between two and three for a, a 7-10 first pitch. Uh, and that gives me plenty of time to, to ease my way in. I absolutely hate being rushed. Uh, and, and I've kind of in my mind have a checklist of everything that I need to do and accomplish prior to the first pitch. And, and that typically involves going down to the clubhouse. Our clubhouse usually opens about 4.15, so I'm usually down there about then, chat with a player or two, ask him a question or two. And then we have the manager report. And that, that takes place usually 4.45 every day. We'll go into Snit's office. We'll hang out. A lot of times the, the TV broadcasters are in there too. So a lot of times Joe and Chip and Frenchie and I are in there just hanging out and just shooting the, uh, the breeze with, with Snit. And then after a while, we'll do our interview, which is usually three, four minutes long, and just talk about that night's game. And then at that point, go back upstairs, uh, finish up my book, my, uh, my score book, and then eat at 6 o'clock. I always eat an hour before the first pitch of the game and because I have to eat a ton. So I usually get hungry <laughs> midway through the game if I don't. And uh, so that, that's that, and I'm hypoglycemic, so I have to. That's, that's definitely a, an a approach that I have to plan out. But uh, that, that's basically it. And then for me, once the game ends, not every night, but probably eight out of ten ball games, once, once the, when the game is over, I go home and I'll start my prep for the next day's game when I get home. I find that when I come home from work, I'm, it's no different than someone who works a nine-to-five job. When you get home at five o'clock, you don't go straight, uh, straight to sleep. Uh, it, it takes some winding down. And it's the same for me, even though we're getting home at 11, 12 o'clock at night. A lot of times I don't go to bed till 1.32, 2.30 in the morning, and I'll get home, I'll still be revved up with that mm-hmm. night's game. So I'll start doing my prep for the next day's pitching matchup uh, that night. And that way it's done by the time I get to the ballpark and I feel like I'm already uh, ahead of the curve by the time I arrive the next day. So that's a, a typical day for me, and it's, it's very structured and planned out. Awesome, man. It's just kind of cool to peek behind the curtain there and uh, neat to see uh, what the Braves are doing and, and neat to see the role that you've taken on there. Ben, we appreciate your time this evening, man. It's my pleasure, and, and it's even more special to be able to chat with guys who are from back home and Braves fans. It means a lot to me, so thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you, Ben. Appreciate it, bud. You got it, guys. Thank you.